Our third scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under, earth, under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Author of life, we thank you for your words this morning, and we ask that as we reflect upon them, that your spirit would be with us and transform us in heart, mind, and soul. Amen. Pentecost is often referred to as the birthday of the church. But that's not quite what it was. The church, the people of God, had been following the commandments to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with their God for centuries before the events of that fateful, fateful Pentecost. 
No, Pentecost is not the birth of the church, but the transformation of the church. The people of God were feeling lost and confused, trying to figure out how to move forward now that Jesus had ascended to heaven. They were focused on their inward problems, replacing disciples that had been lost. And in the midst of that confusion and discernment, the Spirit of God rushed down upon them. The Spirit called them out of their inward focus by putting on their tongues all the languages of the world. And when we look at the scripture, we see nation after nation listed off. And the Jewish people from around the world who assembled in Jerusalem that day looked at this group of Galileans with wonder and skepticism. One of the onlookers asks, how is it that we hear each of us in our native tongues? While a more skeptical observer sneers, they are filled with new wine. And how relatable is this moment, the people of God witnessing the miracle of what is happening, while the outside world sees nothing but foolishness. And as I read this story, I cannot help but think of the way the Spirit presents itself to the world still today. I think of the speaker from the General Board of Global Ministries who talked at annual conference about how we're living in a world where mission is being done from everywhere to everywhere. Sure, for a while, the church resembled this Pentecost movement, or this Pentecost moment. For the last several centuries, English-speaking missionaries have traveled around the globe bringing the gospel in the tongues of the people. But just as the church was transformed on that day, the church is transformed today. I think of the way that our seminaries have become mixing grounds for cultural exchange. At MTSO, I became friends with Cecil, whose family is from Sierra Leone. Cecil was a lawyer before going to seminary. He helped to heal his country after a civil war. And now he brings all the gifts and graces of those experiences to serve the church. I think of Brother Sam, who ministers to a congregation of immigrants from Ghana in Columbus, and of how he uses his connection with his community and MTSO to build bridges of understanding between the two. I think of my friend Shin, who I originally met on my cross-cultural trip to Korea. For two weeks, Shin helped drive us around his home country, and it was a joy when we learned that he would be coming to MTSO for his Master's of Theological Studies. And after Shin joined our seminary community, we were joined by another South Korean who goes by the name of Kim. Kim and I had several classes together, and it's been a personal privilege to help him navigate the ins and outs of our complicated candidacy process, which is hard enough even when it's not your second language. And thinking of in my, my time in Korea also reminds me of the International Studies Program run by Methodist Theological University in Seoul. While we stayed on their campus, we had a chance to meet with some of the students in that program. I had a chance to talk briefly with KK, who has since graduated and returned to her home country of Myanmar. Through the wonders of technology, I'm able to keep up with the highlights of her ministry. Similarly, I'm reminded of you, me, whom I'm also able to stay in contact with through the internet. 
In addition to her own ministry in Korea, she introduced us to a friend of hers who's a Wesleyan and was training to travel to the North as a missionary when we met him. Of course, the cultural exchange that happens in our seminaries is not just limited to student-to-student -student interactions. My Hebrew Bible professor was Dr. Paul Kim, whose well-respected scholarship on the book of Isaiah is influenced by his upbringing in South Korea during a time of dictatorship. For him, the connection between the gospel and politics is not just theoretical, but a lived experience. And his understanding of ancient Israel is shaped by his own experience of living in a country surrounded by superpowers. Additionally, I had the privilege of learning about mission and evangelism from Dr. Jun Sik Park, who's also Korean. And when your classroom discussions center on issues of proclaiming the gospel in an ever more interconnected world, it's invaluable to be guided by someone with a truly international perspective. But perhaps the most groundbreaking classroom experiences I had were with Dr. Eleni Nogiragadze. Dr. E is originally from Brazil, spent a significant portion of her life in South Africa completing her doctorate, and eventually ended up at our little seminary in Ohio. Her life experiences lend an authenticity to the immediacy of the gospel for the marginalized members of our global community. Her classes strike at the conscience of the church on matters of creation care, equity, and justice. And finally, perhaps the most extreme cultural difference, was learning theology and doctrine from Dr. Sarah Lancaster, one of our denomination's representatives in negotiating a full communion agreement with the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, and who hails from the great state of Texas. That's a joke. Obviously, the spirit continues to move from everywhere to everywhere beyond the walls of our seminaries. I think of my former classmate whose family picked up their life to become missionaries in the Democratic Republic of Congo. I think also of the institutional partnerships that bind us together, partnerships like the one that the newly formed Michigan Annual Conference is seeking to renew with the Liberia Conference and the Methodist Church of Haiti. Our partnership with Liberia is notable for producing, among many blessings, the Bishop Judith Craig Children's Village. I think of the special prayer offered during our annual conference gathering by Richland Choir, the wife of the resident bishop of the Liberia area, Samuel Choir, Jr. I think as well of the incredible experience of Bishop Bard in an act of global connection ordaining Lucinda Eastman, who's from the Liberia Conference, but was un unable to be ordained during the time that her conference gathered together. And of course, if the Spirit is moving from everywhere to everywhere, that means the Spirit is moving here in our local church. The state of this church when I arrived just under a year ago, looked a lot to me like the gathering of disciples on that Pentecost long ago. Some were experiencing grief as they saw their experience of the church becoming a beloved memory of days gone by. For some, there was confusion or frustration as to how we faithfully discern the way forward in a new world with unfamiliar challenges. The vision of the church was focused on fixing things on the inside. The most important similarity, though, 
is that the Spirit of God continues to descend on every single one of us. The promise of a new thing continues to live and breathe into the life of every believer. And the Spirit has been living and breathing in this place. We've discerned a new vision that will turn us outward to the world around us. We're finding new ways to navigate not just the world around us, but our relationships with one another. We found ways to name some of the things that are lost to us so that we can pick up what is left of our life together and keep moving forward. And just like that gathering of disciples all those millennia ago, our transformation is not happening in a vacuum. We have been the church and we will continue to be the church as the Spirit transforms us into something new. In the life of our congregations and denominations, we might not always be able to see clearly what that new thing looks like. And as we listen for the Spirit crying out in the tongue of every believer, we might not hear it clearly every single time. Sometimes the world will look at us and say, look at how drunkenly they stumble around. But we will know that what looks like foolishness to the world is the miracle of God at work. We must never give up the faith that the Spirit is leading us. Even when we can't see where we're going, we have to trust in our God. Even when it seems like we're adrift, when we're on our own, we know that God does not abandon us. God did not abandon the church after the ascension. God sent the Spirit to grow the church in mighty and amazing ways through small and ordinary acts. God has sent the Spirit in this place, and God will use our small and ordinary acts to continue to do mighty and amazing things. Amen. Please pray with me. Holy Spirit, you send the fire of God from everywhere and to everywhere. Light that fire within each and every one of us. Fill us with your good news so that we might proclaim your mission of redemption and reconciliation boldly and without fear. Amen. <laughs>